It is a pleasure seeing each and every one of you here today. If you're worshiping with us online, welcome to the church at Woodbine. If this is your first Sunday here, we are so glad that you're here. And our prayer for each and every one of us today is that we would experience in a new, fresh, profound, deep, intimate way the love of our Heavenly Father. And if you're here for the first time, welcome. Jesus loves you. I do want to draw your attention to a family that is here from Mexico, Daniel and Sandra. Welcome back. And as some of their kids, we are so glad that you guys are here. So we have to socially distance, but after the worship service outside, give them a COVID-19 hug and let them know that they are so, that they're welcome. So we're so glad you guys are here. So bienvenidos de nuevo. We've been talking about we are the church better together. And two weeks ago, Joseph shared with us that we are built on the cornerstone who is Jesus Christ himself. And we are living stones. Last week, we looked at we've been called as a church to love one another as Jesus loves us. It's agape love. It's God's love should flow in and through us to one another. Where we are to love one another the way Christ has loved us. Today, we're going to look at it's a prayer by Paul. It's a word of encouragement. It's also a benediction where he says that we would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, by our Heavenly Father, for every good work, every good word. There's a verse in Matthew 5.16 where Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that when people see your good works, they'll do what? They will praise our Heavenly Father. So when people see us, they should, they should see Jesus. Why? Because our lives are built on Jesus, the chief cornerstone. And his love flows through us and out of us to one another. Today, strengthened for every good work. This coming Thursday is my favorite holiday of the year. Sorry, it's a confession. It just is. And a lot of it has to do with all the traditions that we had in Mexico celebrating Thanksgiving as United States citizens in Mexico. And this year, as I've pondered about Thanksgiving and with what's happened here, even in Nashville this past week where the mayor has has done the rule of eight, where we are limited to only eight people in social gatherings. For those of you who don't live in Davidson County, that's the rule for us for this next week at least. Why? Because of the pandemic. And as I think about this year, all of us have lost something. For some of us, we've lost loved ones. For some of us, it's we've lost a job. For many of our students, they've lost class, they've lost school, they've lost studies. Some students might be like, whew, I was going to fail anyway. But in reality, all of us have lost something, even to a greater deal. And when we go through grief, one of the most important things we need to do is actually acknowledge that we've lost something. And as we approach this Thanksgiving, I mean, I'll be honest with you, how are we going to celebrate Thanksgiving? How is it going to happen? And it's so easy to look back on and look at the things that we cannot do. But I want to challenge you something about how we look at things. And it's not to be Pollyannish at all. But it is to focus on the right thing. I've got some slides here on stage. I want you guys to look at. What do you see? Is it a crow or is it a bunny? Look at it carefully. Okay, let's look at the next one. Where does it start? Where does it end? 
Is it laying on the ground or is it perpendicular or is it both or is it yes? What do you see? Here's a doozy right here. What do you see? Look at the legs real carefully. You'll know the next one. Most of you have seen this next one. Do you see a beautiful young lady or an old hag? What do you see? Where is your focus? Psalm 95, verses 1 through 3. I want to encourage you guys to read this psalm every day at the beginning of your quiet time. Look at what we're commanded in this psalm. It says, come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let us enter his presence with what? With thanksgiving. We can boldly enter the presence of our Heavenly Father whenever, wherever, with anyone, with everybody. It's almost like our mission statement. But we can boldly enter his presence, not because we deserved it, not because we've earned it, but because of the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus. And we're commanded to enter his presence with what? With thanksgiving. Why thanksgiving? With thanksgiving is the greatest, best way to enter into God's presence and actually connect with him in an emotional, physical, spiritual, mental way. We're called to love God with our whole body, our whole mind, our whole heart, our whole mind. Not just cognitively, but emotionally and physically and spiritually in every way. And it's a command and we're commanded to enter his presence with thanksgiving. I've talked a lot about some of our mentors who I love dearly. They challenge Christy and I before you go to bed. And we don't do it every week. We don't even do it every day. To close with 10 thanksgivings every night before you go to bed. Why? Because when we put the microscope or the magnifying glass, when we put it onto who God is, who he is, his character, his word, his promises, it doesn't wash away our problems, but it helps us focus on what is right and true and good. And we're going to see that in this, in this scripture passage today. But as we approach Thanksgiving, one of the challenges we have this coming week is to focus on what we cannot do or to focus on our losses. And there is a time and place for that. But it's vital that we focus also on who our Heavenly Father is and the promises in His Word. Scripture says throughout, remember, remember, remember. Psalm 22, when you think of Psalm 22, what comes to mind? Most locally, most, most, most of, for most of us, sorry, I just lost my words. For most of us, it's my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in verse three, this is what it says in verse three. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of your people. God inhabits and he's enthroned in our praises. And so it is vital as Christians, even when we walk through the darkest and deepest of valleys, that we praise him and that we thank him because that is how we enter his presence. And he becomes more and greater, far more greater in our hearts and minds when we praise him and worship him, even when we don't feel like it. We live in a day and age, and I've challenged our staff a lot in this. Listen to conversations deep conversations, even listen to political conversations, spiritual conversations, and almost everybody will start with this. I feel. 
I feel. I feel. And then we go into our reason for whatever we believe. Based off of emotion. And I question and ask, is what they believe based off of emotion and only emotion? Or is it based off of truth? Here we have in 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. And we're going to go real quick because we're going to do one of the greatest things we could possibly do today. And that's celebrate the Lord's Supper. But here in 2 Thessalonians, right here in verse 13. And I'm going to read it again. Let's stand up again one more time. Just out of respect and reading God's word. We don't have to stand up, but we are called to worship, so let's stand. Here in verse 13, it says, But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation, through sanctification, by the Spirit, and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and has given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, strengthen your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. Let's sit down. If you look at this verse, go ahead, you may be seated. If you look at this passage here, there are nine things that Paul declares that God has done. He's writing to the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians, it's a church. Thessalonica had about 200,000 people in the city. It was the largest city in Asia Minor during the time of Paul. It was a port city, which means that it was extremely wealthy. The majority of these Christians in the church of Thessalonica were Gentile, even though there were some Jewish believers. And they were struggling with three things. One, persecution. For those of us here in the West, to be honest, we really do not suffer with a whole lot of religious persecution. We don't. I don't think any of us thought this morning, coming here, that we would be concerned about being arrested for being here worshiping together. Did you? I didn't. But for the church in Thessalonica, there was true persecution. Another struggle is that there was false teaching. And one of the biggest ones was that Jesus has already come back. And the Thessalonians were confused and concerned. Has he really? Has he already come back? And as a result, many of the Thessalonians just crossed, folded their arms. They're like, well, I'm not working. I'm not going to be faithful in what God's called me to. And so there was a, a spirit of apathy and laziness that had oozed into the church. Say ooze. Oozed into, say it. Oozed into the church. Not with two O's, but with five. Oozed into the church. And so Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians, and about six months later, he wrote the second letter to the Thessalonians. And there's nine things that Paul declares that God has done, not only for them, but for us. This is what they are. The first one is the Lord loves us. Think about it. The Lord of the universe loves you. Paul said it twice. Verse 13 and 19. He's proven that love over and over every day by giving us breath, giving us clothes, food, more than anything he showed it by the death and resurrection of his son Jesus. But that's the first thing. The Lord loves us. The second thing is he has chosen us for salvation. 
all throughout Scripture, it says before creation, he chose us. Now, if you look at little kids, if they go into a candy store and as parents or as your babysitter, you say, you can pick one piece of candy. My kids will spend 20 minutes debating on what piece of candy they want. We all know what it's like to have to pick one thing that we really want. We also know what it's like to be rejected. I've got several stories. I've shared many with you about all-star teams and ball teams and being rejected and not accepted. It feels terrible. Who here has been left out? Not chosen for something. Oh, those without your hands up, you're liars. We all have. But for those of us who love Jesus, God the Father chose you. He picked you to be his special son or daughter. The third thing that the Lord has done for us is he sanctifies us by his spirit. He is the one, by His presence, by Holy Spirit who lives in us. He's the one that's transforming us, transforming you and me into the image of Jesus. It's a process from glory to glory, day after day. He is the one that not only declares us holy, but He also makes us holy as we love and follow Jesus. It's not by our efforts It's not by our own will, but it's his will, his way, his work, his strength, his spirit. The fourth one, he has called us through his gospel. We didn't reach out to him. He reached out to us first. He's the one that makes us alive. He's the one who forgives us. The fifth one is this. He has given. It says we have obtained his glory. How have we obtained it? He's given it to us. And when our heavenly father looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our failures. He doesn't see our disobedience. But for those in Christ, he sees Jesus himself. We are clothed with Jesus' holiness. It's a gift that we've obtained because he's given it to us. The sixth one is this. He has given us eternal encouragement. We all suffer. Some more than others. And the reality is that in our suffering, we're all going to pass through it. Sooner or later, All of us will get through our suffering. But for those of us who are in Christ, we have an eternal encouragement. Not because of our own self-will and our own self-effort. But because of his great goodness, we have an encouragement because his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And they are true and they are right. And whenever we're discouraged... We shouldn't try to sweep all of our problems under the rug. We shouldn't even try to forget our problems. We should lay them at the feet of Jesus and allow him, his promises, to give us the encouragement that we need. It is hard sometimes. It is challenging sometimes. But he gives us eternal encouragement. 
The seventh thing that the Lord does for us is he gives us good hope by his grace. Our hope is not determined by how we feel. Our hope is founded upon the person and work of Jesus. Him and only him. The ninth one is this. He is the one who strengthens us for every good work and every good word. It is impossible to love God without God. We need him and he is the one that gives us the strength and the ability and even the will to walk in humble obedience to shine the light and love of Jesus in this dark, evil world. Meditate on these nine things. Meditate on this passage here this week. So you've got homework. Psalm 95, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 through 17. Tucked in these two, all these nine amazing things that the Lord has done for us, we have two commandments. One is stand firm. The second one is hold on to the traditions that we've been taught. Stand firm all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture, we're commanded to stand firm. Stand firm. Hold on. Who's ridden a roller coaster here before? Who's ever sat in the double seat and it's not a roller coaster, but it's that slingshot where you sit next to somebody and there's this huge bungee cord that's like 100 feet up in the air and they pull you back and you can feel it. Then you tilt back and then they launch you and you just go up and down. YouTube some of those videos. They're hilarious. People are locked in and they're holding on super tightly. Some of them pass out. When I go on roller coasters, I'm holding, I can't, I love them, but I get sick now, I'm too old. I get off and I'm yellow and I'm, I can do about two times, I'm done for the day. But I'm holding on so tightly and I ask myself, why? I'm, I'm buckled in here. I could be shot to the moon and I'd be fine. But when I think about this, hold on tightly, batten down the hatches to what? To the, to the tradition, stand firm. Galatians 5.1, there's so many verses in scripture. I mean, from Abraham all the way through the Old Testament prophets and the heroes of the faith, Jesus himself and Paul and Peter and John, we were commanded to stand firm. But there's a few verses I want to read to you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Look at what this says. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Free from what? From sin, from slavery of sin, from death. We're set free. So what's the command? Stand firm and don't submit yourself to a yoke of slavery again. Stand firm. Philippians 1.27 is another verse, and I love this verse. Think about this. Just one thing is what Paul's saying. One thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. We could camp on that all day. Then, whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I will hear about you, that you are what? Standing firm. Firm in the faith. Firm in our hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 is another verse. This is what Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the Lord's work. Now, we don't see the technical words of stand firm, unless it's the NIV, but immovable, stand firm. And then one chapter later, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, look at what he says, be alert Stand firm. 
First commandment is to stand firm. The second one is to hold tightly to the traditions that the Thessalonians have been taught. What are those traditions? It's the gospel. Verse 13 and 14. So many of us as Christians, we can get so caught up and we can divide as churches over secondary issues or even issues that are one thousandths on the list. If there's one thing that the Lord taught me while in Mexico is that there's very little that we should be willing to divide over as a body of believers. There's a lot of important theology in Scripture, a ton. But what is the essence of our faith that we're willing to stand upon and die upon? It's the gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Paul talks about these traditions in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verses 3 through 5. This is what Paul says. He says, first of all, I want to show you. And you guys have that? I can't remember. Yeah. For I passed on to you as most important, as most important, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. We are to hold on to this tradition. That's why we celebrate this, the Lord's Supper. So these two commands, stand firm and hold on tight to the gospel. And then Paul concludes almost with a benediction here in verse 17. Verse 16 and 17. Look what Paul says where he says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father. If you're a theologian nerd, Why did he put Jesus before the Father in this verse? Go figure that out. Who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. It is the Lord who gives us strength for every good work and for every good word. I've already shared this verse before with you, Matthew 5, 16, where Jesus commands his disciples, let your light, the light of the gospel, the love of Jesus, so shine before men and women, young and old, black, brown, purple, green, blue, it doesn't matter who, so that they would see our good works. And what do they do? They praise him. And may our words As the psalmist said in Psalm 19, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. When people see you, do they see Jesus? When people listen to you talk, do they hear Jesus? In closing, there's three things I want us to be challenged with today. Three things. Remember the slides and pictures I showed you at the beginning? So much of it depends on where our focus is. And what I'm learning, and I'm hard-headed, I'm pig-headed, is that it's so quickly and easy for me, I can turn my focus off of the Lord, onto my problems, onto my own life, onto what I want, what I need. And I take my eyes off the prize, which is God himself. It's Jesus himself. And I'm learning and I want to encourage you and my desire and prayer for you is that we would learn together that Thanksgiving is the best, most profound way that we can enter into God's presence. And it helps keep our eyes of our mind and our heart focused and fixed upon him. So here's my challenge for us. 
Thank the Lord daily that he is the one who strengthens you for every good work and every good word. And then I want to challenge you. If you're single and live by yourself or even with roommates, before you go to bed, share 10 things that you're grateful for. If you're married with kids, before you go to bed at night, share 10 things that you're grateful for. If you're living by yourself, out loud, thank the Lord for 10 things. I cheat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All I have to do is think of seven now. Ten things. The third one is we're going to do this right now before we enter to the Lord's table. We're just going to spend time thanking the Lord. So let's stand and out loud. And Trevor, if you don't mind coming up here, please. Out loud, I just want you guys to thank the Lord for whatever comes to mind. Pray it out loud. If it's one word, if it's a phrase... I would love for us to spend a few minutes just in thanksgiving. So let's pray. Don't be afraid. Say it loud enough for people to hear. Father, thanks for this wonderful day. Thank you for the rain that's on its way. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for this awesome day. And Father, give us grateful, thankful hearts. Help us see even the small things that you do in our life so that we would enter into your presence daily, every day, every moment of every day with thanksgiving, not denying the challenges and realities that we live in and are faced with, but coming before you with thankful and grateful hearts.